0: With with the Coltons coming here. Open your Bibles, please, to Luke chapter 2. The whole world is waiting. The whole world is waiting for this pandemic to end. Waiting for a vaccine. Waiting for things to get back to normal. I mean, whatever that looks like. Waiting can be painful at times. Well, think about it, the silence, the unknown, the lack of control. And then there's the temptation just to let our imaginations run wild with what-if scenarios. A month after Jesus' birth, we are introduced to two people here in Luke chapter 2 who had been waiting a very long time. They'd been waiting on God to come through on his promise. What was God's promise? And what happens when God gives them everything they were waiting for? Well, the answer couldn't be more relevant to our lives today. And so with this in mind, let's look at Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 21. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy or set apart to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. Three things I pray we see here this morning. First, number one, his name is Jesus. And number two, he's the comfort you've been waiting for, so you can rest now. And number three, he's the redemption that you've been waiting for, so you can celebrate now. Number one, his name is Jesus. Here in verses 21 through 24, we see the the customary purification in keeping with the Mosaic law. Jesus grew up in a family that obeyed the law of Moses. Circumcision and the naming of the child happened eight days after the child is born. The purification of mom after childbirth and the dedication of the firstborn child happened about 30 days after that. So about a month later, after he was born... And they were supposed to, according to the law, actually bring a lamb and two pigeons. But if they couldn't afford that, then they could bring just two pigeons. And that's what Mary and Joseph bring. And so right away, we understand that Jesus was born into a low-income family. Why do you think Luke includes this account in his gospel and his presentation of Jesus to us? Why do you think Luke uh, includes uh, the purification and the dedication? account. This child isn't a normal kid. If you read Luke up to this point, you understand that this is not a normal child. He's given a name from an angelic being in Luke chapter 1. He's conceived in a miraculous way. There's a host of angelic beings singing praise the night he was born. Do you remember that? Where the sky just cracks open with an army of angels singing in Luke chapter 2 verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace, shalom, among those with whom he's pleased. Peace with God is possible. Reconciliation with God. Glory to God in the highest. That's the song the the angels sang the night he was born. And now we have this dedication. This dedication at the temple. It becomes yet another announcement. The angels gave their announcement. And now this dedication gives us yet another announcement. An announcement to us, the reader. It's a presentation. And here's the presentation. The promise of God is here. And his name is Jesus. Number two, he's the comfort you've been waiting for. So you can rest now. We're introduced to a man named Simeon. Listen, when you wait a long time for something, you can feel forgotten. Like, hey, is this ever going to happen? Whether you're waiting for a table at a restaurant, like, hey, did they forget us? Do they have our name? Whether you're waiting on, um, you know, you just got tested for COVID. You're waiting for the results. (laughs) Did they forget us? Um, Whatever it might be, if you're waiting for a long time, you might feel forgotten. Are you ever tempted to feel like God has forgotten you? I imagine Simeon felt forgotten at times. He was holding on to old and forgotten promises. But this man refused to let go. And he's a model of faith for us. We're given a little resume on Simeon. We're told a little bit about him. Simeon is righteous and he's he's devout. He's a devoted man. And somehow he's associated with the temple and the worship happening at the temple. And he's waiting. We're told that Simeon is waiting for something specific, for the consolation of Israel the comfort of Israel. That means he's waiting for hope. The hope that God would come and rescue, would comfort his people. The promise that God would come. And this promise of comfort is rooted in the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 40, where the prophet is speaking of comfort that will come to God's people. And this hope included forgiveness of sins and deliverance from oppressors. Uh, This hope included uh, a messianic age the age of the anointed one, the deliverer, the redeemer, a new day. And this is what Simeon was holding on to. But it gets very specific. If you notice in verse 26, there's a very specific promise that Simeon's holding on to. It says, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. That's very specific. He believed that he would not die until he had seen with his eyes the Lord's anointed. Was Simeon an old man? Was he close to death? We don't have all the details. But he would not experience death until he had seen the Lord's Christ, the chosen one. And that's important for us to, to understand. I, I want to I tell you something about the name Jesus. Jesus. I want to hit the pause here. Why was Jesus named Jesus? The Greek is Iesus. The Hebrew is Yeshua, means Joshua. The name Jesus means Yahweh saves, the Lord saves. I want to show you something in Galatians chapter 4 about what Jesus, about what the Lord would do through Jesus. Look in verse 26 of Galatians chapter 4. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. No, I'm sorry, that's not right. Verse 4 of chapter 4. But when the fullness of time had come, this is what happened. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to do what? To redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. This was God's plan. To send forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. And this is exactly what we're seeing happen in Jesus. And now look with me in in Philippians chapter 2. In poetic fashion, Paul shares with the church of Philippi in chapter 2 about Jesus. He talks about Jesus in verse 6, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. What did Jesus do? But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And therefore, this is what God did. God has has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, So at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Where is Paul getting this? Where is he getting this? It's rooted again in the prophet Isaiah. Surprise, surprise. We've been leaning on the prophet Isaiah much over the last couple weeks. And the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 45 says this. This is the Lord speaking. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is no other. By myself I have sworn to me. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess allegiance. And that's what Yahweh, the Lord, said. But here in Philippians 2, we see that's said of Jesus. So which is it? And the answer is yes. 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 Simeon had been waiting for this promise. Simeon had been waiting for this chosen one, the anointed. Do you notice the Holy Spirit's role in Simeon's life? Do you notice the Holy Spirit's role in Simeon's encounter with Jesus? The Holy Spirit's mentioned three times. There's a special anointing on Simeon. This isn't a mistake, This isn't just a chance event. And I love that about this encounter that Simeon has with Jesus. It brings me a lot of appreciation for God the Holy Spirit and his secret behind-the-scenes work in people's lives. Here Simeon comes to the temple complex at just the right time, just the right place as Mary and Joseph are bringing Jesus. They go to the temple to do their thing, and here comes Simeon. And here's what Simeon does verse 28. What does he do? He took him up in his arms and he blessed God. He took him up in his arms. Now, new parents don't just give their new baby to anyone. And so Simeon must have had some kind of role in the worship of God at the temple. But just imagine how sweet of a moment that was for Simeon that day to hold Jesus in his arms. Now, how sweet is it for a new parent to hold their their baby for the first time? I just, I love it when parents, new parents especially, they've never had a child before and they hold their their newborn child in their arms for the the first time. I remember it happening to me and, and just time just stands still. Nothing else matters. Oh, there's all kinds of stuff going on around the world, but none of that matters. All that matters is this child in my arms. We've waited nine months for this child. Here he is. But for Simeon, how many years had he waited How long had he held on to promises of God? Finally, he was holding and seeing the Lord's anointed. Now listen, Simeon in many ways represents faithful Israel, waiting and anticipating their Messiah. Imagine in that moment, all the big questions that had been swirling around in Simeon's head and heart leading up to that moment. Questions like this. God, when? When will you intervene? Now imagine in that moment as he's holding baby Jesus, he heard whispered, now, Simon. Right now. When will you do something about this brokenness, God? Now, Simon, Simeon. When will you bring peace? When will you establish your rule, your messianic age? Now, Simeon, right now. Look at verse 29. Simeon says, Lord, now. There's significance behind that word now. Finally, now. This is the boy. This is the baby through whom salvation will be accomplished. Finally. What does he say? Now you are letting your servant depart in peace. He launches into this beautiful hymn, a prayer. It's precious. It's powerful. It's filled with testimony and confirmation. Confirmation is given to us about who Jesus is through this prayer of Simeon's. But do you know that confirmation is also given to Mary and Joseph in that moment? And the extent of God's deliverance we see is bigger than national Israel. It's a worldwide deliverance that Jesus has come to accomplish. Look at verse 32, which again is rooted, surprise, in the prophet Isaiah. A light for revelation to the Gentiles, to non-Jews, and for glory to your people Israel. That's a verse that will be quoted many times over in the New Testament, and for good reason. And in this moment... Listen, in this moment, this precious moment, Simeon, he experiences a contentment, a comfort that puts all the waiting and all the other events of his life into perspective. Think about this. The truth of Jesus does that. It brings a consolation, a comfort. It brings relief, contentment that puts everything else in perspective. That contentment can be ignored it can be rejected. It can be forgotten. But it truly has a way of putting everything else in, perspe- in perspective. It does. Jesus provides a lens through which we can view all of life, even death. Jesus provides a lens through which we Can view all of life. And for Simeon, it was a lens through which to view the end of his life, and he knew it. Is Jesus the lens through which you view all of life? Look what happens with Mary and and Joseph. They, They marvel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. Verse 33. They were speechless. Just surprised, shocked by the words of this this stranger, this Simeon, who they never met before. Mary and Joseph, you have to understand, are still coming to terms with everything that's happened over the last few weeks. They're trying to understand the magnitude of it all. And so Simeon's praise quickly turns into blessing and then into a prophetic word directed right at Mary about Jesus. Let's read it. Verse 33, and his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him, and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Well, what's happening here? Well, first, there are, he, he makes clear there are two responses that's four. There's two two responses to Jesus, the rising and the falling. Falling speaks of judgment on the arrogant, judgment on those who would, in pride, just resist God's faithful and gracious and loving provision of a Savior. But then there's rising, there's salvation of the humble, those who humbly bow before the Lord. Jesus brings everyone to a crossroads, everyone to a crisis of decision. Seriously thoughts are revealed you can't hide you cannot hide no one can remain neutral either you you cannot remain neutral when it comes to Jesus everyone has a reaction to Jesus everyone is brought to a crossroads when they encounter Jesus believe and bow or not Simeon is is alluding to a metaphor rooted in Isaiah 8 and 28 where God is a stone causing some to stumble, but for others, God becomes the very cornerstone of their lives. He talks about a sign that is opposed. Now, a sign points to something, and Jesus, his very life and death and resurrection, everything about Jesus is pointing to something about God. What's it pointing to? Well, many things, but I would say for sure it's pointing to God's action. God's action and God's love. God is anything but indifferent. God cares. He loves. And it's a sign that points to God's action and love, and it's expressed in Jesus. But that action and love expressed in Jesus, Simeon is saying, will be met with fierce opposition. And then he goes on to say, and Mary will experience great sorrow great pain, like a a sword piercing through her soul. Why? Why would Mary experience that? Because the salvation Jesus will accomplish, well, it comes at a great cost. She would watch her son be rejected by the people he came to save. She would watch her son hang naked on a cross Simeon encountered Jesus. What we learn from that encounter is that Jesus is the comfort that we've been waiting for. We can rest in him. Third and finally, he's the redemption that we've been waiting for, that you've been waiting for. You can celebrate now. We're introduced to uh, another person named Anna. Anna, though, becomes this exclamation point to what Simeon has already said and seen. Anna is an elderly widow. And she's a prophet. She's been waiting for the same thing that Simeon has been waiting for. And you know, this woman has experienced the pain and the heartache that this broken world delivers. Widowed just seven years into her marriage. Her husband passed away seven years into her marriage. And that's enough. That's enough to send someone running from God, shaking their fist at God. But not Anna. No, she dedicates her life to God in in response. And here she is, 84 years old, dedicated her life to the Lord. She's constantly at the temple praying and fasting, anticipating, expecting. But why do you think Anna is included in this story? Why do you think Luke presents Anna this way? For what purpose does she arrive at this moment in history? I think it's to remind us that God is interested in answering the longings of an 84-year-old widow. She matters to God. I think it's there to remind us that even though Anna was dealt some really tough things in life, she could have been calloused. Instead, she gives thanks. And not because she had life figured out or because it was real easy, but because God had been faithful to her in the midst of the darkness. He had been faithful to provide redemption. Listen, how how many nights did Anna spend in isolation? How many nights was she lonely? How many nights did she miss her husband? How many nights did she spend in prayer and express grief over what she observed, observed and experienced? And so hers was a disciplined life of patient hope. And what an example it is to us. Simeon's life, a life of patient hope and expectation in his life, a life of discipline and hope and expectation, holding on to the promises of God. And we're invited into that. Now, how did she react when she encountered Jesus? Well, she testifies as well. She bears witness. She gives thanks to God. She celebrates. And she begins to speak of Jesus to everyone else waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem is what we're told. The redemption of Jerusalem. Wait, what's that? Well, it's another way of saying what Simeon has already said, the consolation of Israel. Or it's another way of saying, waiting for the promised Messiah. And that new day that he would usher in. And so Anna here is an exclamation point, an underline, a highlight, whatever you want to say. She's circling uh, the reality, the fact that God has come through on his promises. She's celebrating it. She's giving thanks. December 23rd, Wednesday, is is a very special day uh, to the Kinney home, to Valerie and I. We celebrate on that day. It's a day of remembrance. It was the day Valerie was uh, released from the hospital after several life-threatening surgeries. If you don't know this, she has a a tumor in her brain stem. It's not cancerous, but she almost died from it. Um, just when we were newly married. She came home on December 23rd, 2002. She hasn't had to return to get any more surgeries since then. Praise the Lord. What does December 23rd do for us when we pause and celebrate? Well, we don't want to forget the significance, the magnitude of what happened. So here's what happens when we Remember? Love for my wife grows. Gratefulness to God increases. Thankfulness for motor skills and eyesight, for modern technology and doctors. We're sobered by the reality of how fragile life is and how imminent death is. And then it brings to mind a lot of small joys, the ones we can easily forget. And so as we celebrate Christmas, let's not forget its significance. Let's not forget the magnitude of this uh, event. Simeon and Anna won't let us forget it. If we learn from Simeon and Anna, Simeon and and Anna would go on to, to live their lives knowing that nothing could change what is true about Jesus. Even death itself wouldn't change what is true about Jesus. They would go on living in a broken and corrupt world, just like you and I do. But they understood that Jesus would deal with all their suffering and ours. By taking it upon himself. Will we hear their message? Consolation is here. You can rest now. Isn't that what Jesus told us? For anyone burdened, heavy laden, come to me. You'll find rest. Redemption is here. You can celebrate now. Freedom. Liberation. From what? From sin and shame. If you're set free from a prison cell, I think you'd celebrate. I think you'd throw a party. You'd feel like free. And you could go, well, I could go do whatever I want now. I'm not bound. I'm not locked up anymore. And so the redemption that has come to us in Christ Jesus has made all things new. Beginning with our relationship with God, Galatians 4 reminded us we're adopted into a new family, sons and daughters, restored. Why? Because of the life, death, and resurrection of God the Son. Who took on the stuff we're made of and did for us what we could not do for ourselves. Lived a perfectly obedient life in our place. And died a substitutionary death for our sins. And by faith in the finished work of Christ on the cross, we find that we have been redeemed. Redemption's here. And you know, this isn't escapism. What we believe, what Christians embrace is not escapism. Escapism ignores reality. No, this is living in light of what really happened. This is living in light of reality. Now that Jesus has come... What does waiting on the promises of God include? Well, you know what it includes? It includes celebrating promises that have been met in Christ and holding on to those promises and knowing that because God has met us already in Christ Jesus, he'll be faithful to bring us to the end. He'll be faithful to continue to to carry us and and see us through and work in our hearts and, and restore all things. Ultimately, make all things new. The whole world is waiting. The whole world is waiting. Yes, we're waiting for this pandemic to be over. We're waiting for the vaccine. But all that waiting is, is really just a, a dim reflection of, of the real waiting that's going on in hearts. The longing in hearts for something more. And, and if we would hear what Luke has to say, that something more His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus, and he's the comfort you've been waiting for. So rest in him. His name is Jesus. He's the redemption that you've been waiting for. So celebrate him. How will you respond to Jesus? You've encountered him. He has been presented to us. We've encountered him. And like Simeon, led by the Holy Spirit, the the Holy Spirit is present here. There's no chance Events happening here. This isn't a mistake. You're here, and you've encountered Jesus. How are you going to respond? With rest and celebration. That's my prayer for you. Let's pray right now. Father, help us as a church to respond to your faithful provision of a Savior with rest and celebration. And this Christmas, help us to see the significance of what you've done, the magnitude of what Christmas really is all about. You've intervened. You've stepped into our brokenness. You've done something to reconcile us to yourself where we can find true rest. And Lord, may Jesus be the lens through which we view all of life and even death. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.